0: So then I was thinking, well, what if we had like this nonprofit that was like, that was their whole mission, was to get people just helping people. And instead of, you know, spending your time focusing on the negative, if we all just focused on helping each other.
1: I'm Elizabeth Ribbons, your host for Next, a podcast dedicated to spotlighting actions and stories that inspire you to reimagine, redefine and redesign your next. Today's guest is Hillary Cohen. She worked hard and got the job that so many aspire to. As a Hollywood producer on a popular show, she had checked the boxes and was ready to enjoy the life she had set out to succeed at, but something was missing. Actually, she was kind of miserable. It was during that time she and a colleague founded Everyday Action, realizing how many delicious, gourmet meals were going to waste on sets and how many homeless people were suffering without food, especially during the pandemic. Hillary and Samantha Liu came up with a solution and have supplied over 110,000 meals to the homeless in Los Angeles from 20 sets in Hollywood. Welcome Hilary, I am so glad you're here. Thank and, you. Wow, in one year, I mean, that's amazing. So you had the idea, um, why don't you just go ahead and kind of give your story a bit so that the audience gets how you came to this.
0: Sure. Thank you so much for having me today. It's so fun to be here. I'm glad you're here.
1: Um,
0: So I was an assistant director in film and television for about 10 years. Um, I had worked my life on a film set, and I came from the independent world of filmmaking. So um, an independent film, you know, someone's mom makes like tuna sandwiches for lunch, and everyone kind of brings their own costumes, and... Uh So going from that to, you know, a union film set day one where, you know, there's an AC hose that's brought in to make sure that an outdoor space is cold was just a big change for me. And I got to that set on the first day at four o'clock in the morning and all the trucks were kind of like rolling through and driving past everyone who was uh, living on the street. And then they started to serve this like delicious breakfast starting at 5 a.m., And they served, like, breakfast. It was, like, burritos and pancakes and French toast and anything you could think of or want for breakfast. Um, And that was over. And then they started making lunch, which was, like, steak and lobster and salmon and chicken parmesan. And the smell of, like, the garlic cooking is, like, it makes you salivate just walking anywhere around it. And it, I just couldn't help but sit on that set and like smell this delicious food that I was gonna eat with someone that was like 10 feet in front of me that couldn't have it. Wow. And it was really hard for me to sit at the lunch table, you know, next to the tent and just eat my meal. So when the lunch was over, you know, there was like 15 things of salmon left and a few steaks and salads and just this whole beautiful meal. And they threw it in the trash. And, you know, I tried to stop them on my very first day. I was like 24 years old and I was like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. And they were like, no, we have to throw it out or else we'll get sued. And I just kind of went about my career kind of accepting that answer because, you know, as an AD, you don't have time to plan what happens with the crash. <laughs> There's just too much going on. So I went, went and went and went, you know, became an AD and just, it really did bother me my whole career and I never had um, really a time to put this idea into place. Um, So COVID hit and my show shut down and I finally had this stop in my life, which I actually had really been wanting. Um, And I was like one day where I was kind of sad and depressed and then I was like, no, I need to go do something. So I started sewing face masks um, and that was like a whole other story. I sold like 5,000 of them and had all these sewathons. That was all crazy. But while I was sewing, um, you know, we were all stuck at home. We couldn't go anywhere. Um, and I watched a lot of CNN and it was a really charged time in our country.
1: Yes.
0: Um, you know, uh, things with Trump were really kind of escalating. Um, there was a lot of protests. George Floyd was murdered uh, it was just that, you know, COVID was, rampant, it was really, uh, I think, an emotional time for everybody, Um, and I just felt like this itching inside of me. It was like, I had to do something, and I couldn't really figure out what that was going to be, and I'm definitely someone who spends a lot of time on social media, and I enjoy social media, and I think there's lots of positive things about social media, Um, but I felt like during this time, it kind of turned into a not-so-positive place, And, you know, I would just see people have these vicious arguments online and say things that they would never say to someone's face, but because you're behind a screen, you know, you just say whatever. And I just was getting so heartbroken by reading, you know, argument after argument. And it just seemed so nonsensical. And I was, I just had to do something to kind of like shift this dialogue in my own life because I couldn't really keep being stuck in it. Um, so I, I didn't want to run for political office, but I did want to do something further to make a difference. I felt like in mask making that kind of like called me to keep going. Um, and I just kind of thought, like, what if instead of spending my time looking on Facebook to like prove someone wrong, I just went and did something active. Like I took out the trash from my neighbor or walked around the street and you know, see so, if so you need groceries, whatever was needed to be done. What if I just did that in that time for whatever time I had to donate that day, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. So then I was thinking, well, what if we had like this nonprofit that was like, that was their whole mission was to get people just helping people and instead of, you know, spending your time focusing on the negative. If we all just focused on helping each other, yeah. maybe, you know, things like Donald Trump and Karen's would not really exist anymore. But what was I gonna do in that? So then I approached Sam and I had this idea. Since that first day with the filet mignon, 24-year-old Hillary, um, there's this other part of the film set which is PAs and background artists. PAs are production assistants. Um, and they're the lowest paid members of the crew in the set. Um, and the pay scale is really different. You know, some, most PAs in background can't actually afford to even live in the town they work in. And they're definitely living paycheck to paycheck day by day. And a lot of them are only working two to three days a week on a set. So they're hired, you know, Monday, Thursday, Friday, and then the next week it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's really hard to get a part-time job that is appreciative or understands those hours and the change in that. So I kind of had this idea of what if we paid PAs and background artists to then go pick up this food and then drive it to the people who needed it and kind of this Hollywood cycle of like, okay, we've, we have this excess, we accept that this is part of what we do, but now we need to take responsibility in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and being in the business, they, I just kept seeing people so proud of saving like paper and plastic and going green, um, but no one was focusing on the people in my opinion. And that's kind of like how Everyday Action started. You know, me and Sam, um, Sam is also an assistant director who kind of felt the same way I did. We were at a really, you know, lonely time in COVID. We were, I think like seven feet from apart from each other in my backyard, crying it out over, you know, the six months we had been in our house and just both really felt like this is what we needed to do when we went back to work. And we just kind of pushed that together and formed a 501c3 and now here we are today.
1: A five hundred and one c. Okay, so there's so much that you said that I was just like, wow. Um, first of all, the fact that you you remembered that and then you put together that you could actually lift other people up, they could earn money in between all those jobs as they're trying to work their way up the ladder. That's incredible. And then you are looking at how you can use that food to feed other people, to feed homeless people. So I just love that you thought all the way outside of the box on every level. And and I have a feeling that's how you are typically, right? You pretty much go, wait a minute. You know, everyone says there's these three options and you just go, well, wait, I think I have another. I'll expand those options and come up with something that works for everyone. And for me, it's like... Done.
0: Yeah. It's like food waste to me is just, um, it's about, uh, logistics. Right. And as a kid, it always really frustrated me when I was, uh, wanted to go do something. And my parents response was like, Oh, it's too complicated. And to me in life, nothing is too complicated, like just nothing because it's all made up anyways. So there, there has to be a way to figure it out. So that is something that has always like stuck in me is like, it's just too complicated. So like in fact, when someone tells me no, it just means, I'm sorry, now I'm going to go do that.
1: <laughs> it sounds like you're a woman of my own heart, because I'm always coming up, creating solutions, designing another opportunity or option. So people say, it can't be done. Well, maybe it can. Maybe you're only seeing these three options, but I see so much more. And I see that that's how you think. And um, I'm wondering if you've always done philanthropic um, things. Have you always been involved in them? Um, have you had any other ventures? But You obviously did have another venture. You were, you were sewing all those masks, but did you do other things?
0: Um, I mean, I think I've always uh, been drawn towards helping those who are unhoused. Um, I don't really remember this, but people tell me stories all the time when I was growing up that I would leave a restaurant and give my leftovers to people uh, and never take them home. and I actually don't remember doing that, but so many people have said, you've done that your entire life. Um, my mom actually has led an entire life of service. She's a nurse practitioner, um, which I think is so admirable. Um, yeah. she's in her seventies, still works two full-time job as a nurse. In addition to that, she removes tattoos um, from gang members at homeboys. And she always took me to soup kitchen. She always made me stop and see, um, who needed help. And if you had the resources that you should always do that. So I think that growing up um, with her as a role model, really showing me, you know, to put others first has kind of always been in my bones.
1: Oh my gosh, I just like, want to cry about that. Your mom just sounds like a wonderful lady and a great example for you and for everyone else because you're affecting so many people because she made sure you saw and then you have taken that even further. So how did you know how to create this? You just started putting the equation together, right? bit by bit. You said
0: the 501, what was that? Sure. So we became a 501c3, which was a whole feat in itself. And I think the the reason why Sam and I were the right people to come together and do this is because production is in our bones, right? We both have been on a film set for 10 years. You can put us, you can give me a call sheet from any show. I can pretty much tell you where their lunch is going to be what time it'll be over and where we need to pick it up just by that information. So for Sam and I, it was just kind of getting people to jump on board and to understand that helping people is not a liability. Um, So we kind of had this idea. There was a DGA meeting that we went to and a producer um, kind of listened to our model. And was really interested in it and tried it out on this oscar movie i can't tell you the name but we went it was like the first thing that was shooting right after covid um i think their first date even got canceled because of covid um but me and sam just bought a cooler at walmart this huge cooler that i can still fit my entire body in (laughs) And we got some gloves and took our safety vests out of our bags and the two of us went and reallocated 175 meals in two days just by the call sheet and after those two days we both knew that it was this is what we had to do. It was just it was so easy for us to solve this problem.
1: Oh but easy but you were really putting yourself out there because this was during COVID and you and you guys had to be careful but still I mean
0: you had to be a little scared. I'm sure. starting a company in a pandemic might have been the craziest thing I've ever done um, yeah. it's, it's been very hard convincing people um, I actually have two jobs my other one is running COVID testing on NCIS Los Angeles um, and I protect our uh, bubble which they call it it's like once you've tested everyone in um, very safe and no one can enter each show's bubble unless you're tested so to convince producers that we wouldn't pop their bubble that we could do this entirely contact free you could just put the thermal bag on the ground the caterer could put the food in it and we could walk away certainly took some convincing but um we we did do it um I can't wait for a day where we can reallocate food not covered in a hazmat suit yeah Um, (laughs) but until that day um it's just kind of part of our superhero outfit as I call it you know our our superheroes on the floor are so great um and it's just, yeah, it's been a really great experience just growing this over the past year, because it really did just start with me and Sam and a few friends, and now, you know, there's strangers coming and volunteering for us that found us and want to join on board. So that's really cool.
1: Yeah, it is cool, and, and I have seen those Hollywood sets. I, you know, love to walk um, Malibu, and I was down at Point Doom and they had the whole thing set up with the hazmat suits and the whole, you know, they were making their bubble. And a very famous uh director there. I saw him and his people and and my wow, I'm so I'm so glad that they're being at least courageous enough because all these people are, are 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 able to work because they're willing to do this. So I thought that was good. But um how did you overcome that hurdle of well, we'll get sued? How did you overcome that?
0: Sure. So we knew in working in production, uh especially because I Am an associate producer that a lot of um, productions need a lot of paperwork, and there's a lot of liability involved. That's why unions uh, exist, <laughs> is to for all that uh, to be protected. And the start paperwork that an employee signs on any production to begin is like as thick as a phone book. Um, so I knew that I kind of that Sam and I needed to approach this with the same um, kind of level of professionalism. Um, and forms and files and things to combat their forms and files. So we formed a board, we've got about seven people of our friends and family and coworkers that joined us on this venture who have definitely been part of this um, from day one, um, our Vice President Barrett Foa his dad helped us get um, liability insurance which was really what put us over the edge. Um, Having liability insurance covers someone from getting food poisoning. Though I do want it to be said that it actually isn't illegal to donate food in California to someone. There is something called the Good Samaritan Act that prevents anybody from giving out food at any point. So that idea is actually just not true. Um, But I do understand as a corporation how that might be stressful. So um, we're just kind of giving them one more layer of protection um, so that we have liability insurance. And furthermore, we offer a contract where it basically says when the meal is over and you have given the food to us, it is no longer in your possession. You have donated it to us and we own it. So Mm -hmm. if something is to happen, it's our ownership of the food. You have no longer, you've essentially thrown it out. Right. And once it's ours, it's ours and there's nothing else that can be done. So those two, uh, I would say life jackets (laughs) have really helped us um, go to productions um, with kind of the level of professionalism they need. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, In addition to that, Sam and I both just speak production. So it's, you know, whereas I think that someone who just wants to come and pick up food but doesn't understand production, a producer would be a little more hesitant where I can say, oh, well, your crew parking will be here and base camp and your trailers. And because Sam and I can kind of instantly speak their language, it takes like a level of anxiety off of them. And usually we just try it out. You know, we'll say, here, let us come for our first few days. Let's see how it goes. And we've never been turned down once we start. So
1: you're just, insiders.
0: You we're can talk inside. their
1: language. You know what yeah, I mean. Exactly. So that's like they're right there, like, okay, they know what they're doing because they can't have someone running muck on a set. You just can't have someone walking around with a with a cooler on the set. Like it would just not be good. But um, so, and then I can assume from the business standpoint of things, you uh, a nonprofit. I've never uh, I've had many businesses, but I don't know what about a nonprofit is as far as is it an LLC? Are you protected? Do you have like the corporate veil?
0: We do. Um, And we're all, you know, we're also, Sam and I are learning how to become a 501c3 because we've only been one for a year. But basically, we're entirely based on donations. Um, We can also apply for grants. And um, the thing with grants, um, they're great, but you have to be very careful about what you apply for. Um, because if you apply for something that's going to pay for your equipment and then you use that money to pay for your volunteers, that's not what your grant was for. Um, So it's just making sure the funds that come in are used um, the way that they're supposed to be when they are donated to you. Um, But basically we just take donations and we really need to raise a million dollars a year for where we're headed. Mm -hmm. Um, We started with just like two or three sets and it was that convincing people, right? Yeah, this is going to be, this is scary. Well, now that we've done from 20 sets with HBO and CBS and Amazon and people are seeing that it's actually working, Uh now they're knocking on our door for film reallocation, which is so cool, which is what Sam and I wanted. But now we have so many shows, we need more employees.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I've got a few questions for you because that's that's really um, interesting. So you are learning the five O about 501c3 and being a nonprofit and all of those rules. Do you have, I'm sure you have an amazing network of people that you can call on and then they know someone at least that could possibly mentor you in this space. Have you been reaching out or do you have people that you connect with that can advise you on, not only an attorney, but, but, you know someone who's done it before you in another capacity, obviously.
0: Actually, when Sam and I first started, we had a fiscal sponsor, um, this someone who runs uh, a nonprofit in Des Moines, um, which was like the most helpful. Um, aspect of us starting. You can't really fundraise unless you are a 501c3. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really difficult uh, unless you have that government paper, but you can have another nonprofit kind of take you under their umbrella and then you can fundraise under their 501c3 and they either charge you a fee or they don't. And this nonprofit didn't charge us a dime and really helped us set up our bylaws and all, all of our corporate paperwork. And when we misfiled, Uh, and was really, were really nervous. She was like, Oh, I miss file that. And it took me three years to change it. And everything was fine. So (laughs) what I I find in the nonprofit space is because most people who start nonprofits actually don't know much about business. Most people who start nonprofits, they spent their whole day or lives uh, doing something, right? They were just walking around, picking up trash all day. And then someday one of their friends said, Hey, you probably should get paid for this, because you won't be able to live in your home anymore. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh,
0: so the nonprofit space is such this like loving, caring business community because it's full of people who are all just trying to do good. Yeah. Um, yeah. and the business part of it for all of us is like, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. We just want to help. Um, so I'm actually going to Harvard Business School um, online in the next week for nonprofits because I feel like I have so much more to learn, but that's kind of like my next step. Uh, in learning, because while we've leaned on so many nonprofits this year, I feel like we need to level up.
1: <laughs> you know what? I think that's amazing that you're doing that too, because you're you're expanding your options by doing that. You're gonna you're gonna probably be able to help even more people. Not just not just, but I mean, it's not within your space, but also if other people are reaching out to you saying, "How can I do this where I'm at?" Maybe I ha- I see a need here, and I can see where I can connect it. They can speak to you. I think that's fantastic. I I wanted to ask you um. You are on The Kelly Clarkson Show and also on Spectrum News, which we both agree we love, we love that channel. Um, and it's a really great news channel. Um, so can you tell me, you know, this media attention, has it helped your cause? Are you getting more um, donators and more people looking to, donors and people looking to be part of this, this um, thing that you're doing?
0: Um, so uh, All of those press really, really help our mission. Um, Kelly Clarkson, I'd say we got like 500 new followers on Instagram. I think we got like 50 emails um, and probably $2,000 of donations following um, that air, which was a really big um, win for us. Um, I'd say news stories when they're local, that's where we get volunteers because those are people that are in LA, whereas national coverage, I think helps with donations and local coverage helps with people on the floor. So Spectrum News, we saw a big rise in people reaching out to volunteer, which has been really cool. I think this past week, I have trained uh, four people on the floor with our volunteers. Um, So that's what we're really focused on right now is taking as people submit from those stories, trying to get them out on the floor, volunteering as quickly as we can so that they can go out on their own um, show as we grow and keep up with the growth.
1: Wow. Okay, so so let's just talk about you know Hillary in the future and say you're teaching a course at Harvard and you're teaching how to do something like this. What would be the first, you know, couple of things that you would advise people to do when they're wanting, you know, they see a need and they're wanting to put it out there. Um, just those first steps. What were the first steps you took or what would you advise people on? Now that take- you have hindsight, right? You have hindsight, you can see what you've done and how you could have you know, done something differently, possibly?
0: Um, I'd say don't be afraid to look at your own judgment. Um, On our first food run, uh, I encountered a vegan, and we had only meat. And it was so odd for me to for someone to say like, they wouldn't eat the food. And I was just like, but you're hungry. Um, Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, Oh, that's actually the wrong way to think that person is a person. And just because they're living on the streets doesn't mean they shouldn't be a vegan and sometimes that's not a choice that's like a religious belief or um, for whatever reason Um, and I'd say if you're going into a space of helping um, there's a a vulnerability there from your client Um, be aware of that and be aware of kind of like your approach to it and don't be afraid of like seeing that within yourself and uh, changing you know I am constantly really trying to look at myself from a third party when I'm out on the streets and think how would I feel if I was in this person's shoes if a stranger just came up to my front door you know so it's like trying to look at yourself uh in your own biases as you're starting something because in any work you're doing of taking care of people there's going to be that kind of environment um I'd say don't be afraid to go for it um me and Sam definitely we're told no, laughed at, are still laughed at, are told um, you know that's a waste of uh, time, and people are it's just not going to work out. Um, but I think that um, in helping people, it's always going to work out if someone cares. Um, so don't be afraid of like walking the hard road. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and what people think of you. This is yeah.
1: what you were doing was bigger than what people thought of you.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I don't really think if that if that's going to bug you. You're never going to make it. You've just got to kind of pave your own path. And, you know, I'd say with every like publicity thing we do, there's always get like one negative letter of someone who um, is angry or misunderstands or doesn't get it. And it's, um, you know, either letting that go um, or, you know, taking the time to say your one and move on, but don't let people who are not into your cause or don't understand Bog you down because if they don't understand it, then they don't need to be around. <laughs> yeah, then you move on to the next person. Next, that's why I say. Exactly. Next, let's find the right person. That, that. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Next, I'll find the next person, and also too, you know, from I I, I don't know if you know Lynn Isley of of what, Topanga Women's Circle. It's a powerful nonprofit um, where they go in with these people who are you know without a home and living maybe in their cars and families, and she goes in with a team of mostly women and they go set up knowing that there's maybe two little girls coming and there's a, a ma, single mom or there's, And they set it all up like like a home. And then they make sure they're gone because they don't want the people to feel ashamed or anything that this is just something from the heart. And um, she said something so powerful. She said, don't ever think, you know, you. a lot of people think, well, that's them over there or the, the homeless people are sort of invisible. Well, we try to ignore them. She said, don't ever think this can't happen to you. Um, and then she told a story about a woman that was pretty well off her daughters, their daughters played and um, she noticed her on the, on the list and said, oh my gosh, you know, um, this can happen, especially during the pandemic, um, can happen to anyone. So that's something really important to keep in mind, I think, you know.
0: Yes, yeah, like there's so many people that are unhoused that people don't understand their story. Um, and everyone has a story. Um, even someone who is addicted to drugs on the streets, they have a story and you don't know it. They could be a veteran who, um, you know, they're addicted to drugs from a drug they were on from a war they were in. And you're judging that person from a story you don't even know. But there's there was one man I um, gave food to in a tent once in North Hollywood. It was this really small one-person tent and he had a laptop and a iPhone and his bike and he wouldn't look me in the eye, but he would speak to me, you know, and he, you know, I said, can I give you a food? And he's like, I'm just so embarrassed. And then he was like my age. And it was like very clear to me that, you know, he had just been evicted and he was like doing his job on the corner. And that's just something that is in every encampment. There are people out there that abuse the system, but most of them are not. Most of them are just like you and me who had a crummy go and just can't figure it out. Well, I think too, when you get to that place, it's just
1: probably so horrendous and heavy that it's difficult to rally on a daily basis. So, you know, God bless you for going out there and at least giving them nourishment and feeding them, you know, helping to feed them because that that little bit, that, makes them go, you know what, this is going to get me through this day, and I'm going to have a better day. You know, that's just so important. So I really, and there is nationwide such a problem, but I think because of the weather in California, it's even more so here, you know? So um, I wanted to ask you just out of curiosity, how do you see this in the future? Like, is this scalable? I mean, I know you're getting the, the food from sets, And I'm not, I'm just curious, like how would someone who's listening to this say on the East Coast or in the Midwest, they're like, this is so empowering and inspiring. I want to do this. And maybe they know of a food source.
0: I mean, is it scalable, do you think? I think it's 100% scalable. We've already been approached about starting everyday action in other production hubs like New York, Atlanta, New Orleans. Um, it doesn't have to just be a production hub, though. You know, every city has a giant grocery store in Albertsons, a Vons, a Trader Joe's that throws food out, a Starbucks, you know. It's really easy to do. Um, I mean, down the road, Sam and I want to have an everyday action in every city, Um, We want to expand to LAUSD and school programs because so much food is thrown out uh, at schools. Um, We really are looking for like, um, I would love to partner with like 10 or 15 parents, um, you know, in LA that could help um, kind of take on the school system for us because it would be so easy to do while you're already picking your child up from school, right? You're there at the end of the day, they could just give you the box, you could drop it off on the way. And it's so much food that's thrown out. Um, so it is totally scalable. It's really easy, um, and that's what's always funny when we have a new volunteer. There's often this like build up of it going to be this stressful big day, and then they come and they do it, and they're like, "That was all it took. Oh, I'll do this every day." You know. It's well, too- I just
1: have to reiterate because you said that quickly, but I think that that you just made it so easy for any. Because I have a lot of my audience moms, you know, a lot of women, and I think that what you just um, said was they could just arrange it with the school, get the box, and then drop it off. Just, it that's so huge. Easy. It's huge. Um, so, so that right there is something that anyone listening to this can go, okay, I could probably connect with you and they'll be able to find you in the notes. But that is incredible. Um, I just want to quickly say that uh, you are getting noticed with 110,000 meals go- and going. Um, you were recently awarded beneficiary of the Bra Network, which is an amazing group of just dynamic and and incredible women. And I applaud you for that. Um, And well-deserved, well-deserved. And also, uh, you know, you're gonna be featured at the Women's Empowerment Expo in LA in January. You're gonna have a booth, but also you're being featured, which is really honorable. And uh, what you're doing is really, Hillary, it's just so inspiring and, and incredible. And I love how you just took like that one thing about the schools and put it into a simple, just a simple action and so like an everyday action so that's a perfect name too so I just want to say thank you again for being here and uh and sharing your story and everyone will be able to find you in the notes and um, I'm sure you'll be getting some people reaching out
0: thank you so much it was so great to with you enjoy the rest of your day thank you sweetie bye-bye ready to make a change but not sure where to start
1: head over to nextcareerlife.com explore your options, get clarity now and download the free 10 questions, become a member and connect with the community. Be part of the events. Remember the magic is in the groups all at nextcareerlife.com. Enjoying the show? You can find the notes at www.elizabethribbons.com. That's ribbons with one B or on your preferred podcast platform please be sure to follow, rate, and review. Reviews and word of mouth are still the number one way to learn about new podcasts, so I appreciate your support. Until next time.